In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Have a seat. Before I introduce myself, I want to make one quick announcement, and that is that the, the carpets are going to be cleaned this week. If you're able to stack the chairs six high before leaving today, please do. I'll have a slide up at the end as well. So, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Rock Roberge. I'm super excited and honored and a little nervous to be up here today to share what God's put in my heart. Today, by the time we're done, you're going to know what word it is that I'm trying to remove from my prayer life, why I'm trying to remove that word from my prayer life, and as a bonus, something that I've been working on for a couple of weeks is trying to replace that word with a new one. So, my name is Rock, as I said, R-O-C-K. That was my dad's idea. My dad had this tremendous faith. He would read his Bible every day right in front of us, and he would say, if you're going to feed your body, you better feed your soul. And he wanted to name us on rock, as in, I, on this rock, I will build my church. And he wanted it to be R-O-C-K, because for those of you who are of French-Canadian descent like myself, R-O-C-H is not too uncommon of a name, but he wanted it to be American and strong and biblical, so he named me Rock. And I like my name. I didn't like my name when I was a little kid because people make fun of you when you're different when you're a little kid, right? But as an adult, if I'm in a crowded room and someone says, hey, Rock, I can turn around with great confidence knowing they're probably talking to me. <laughs> Not so with Chris, my wife, so... So despite my dad's great faith, I did not have um, much luck in, uh, in my childhood religion. It was based on works, and it didn't really click with me. Um, I believed that God was real. I believed he was real mad, real angry, real upset, real disappointed, and that he was just looking down at me, waiting for me to mess up. And that's kind of dark, but it's totally true, and that's why I want to share today. So I joined the military when I was 18. I joined the Air Force. I gave up on my childhood religion, and I started finding, trying to find the truth in a bunch of different places. I read a bunch of books. I looked into witchcraft, other religions, um, really all sorts of stuff, and I finally settled on science. I thought science probably had all the answers and that there probably was not a god. And now, when I look back at that time, I still love science, by the way, um, when I look back at that time, I think it takes uh, a lot more faith to believe that everything we can see and touch came from nothing by accident than it does to have faith that it was at least done by a creator, by some sort of uh, creator, loving, intelligent design, whatever you want to call it. Now, many years went by after I got out of the Air Force, and a lot of things happened. I met my wife, Chris, my future wife, Chris, at the time. And um, early on, I found out that she was a Christian. Now, I wasn't a Christian, as I just said. This was a problem. I had a Darwin fish sticker on my truck. And my um, experience with Christians was that they were kind of pushy and, and um, hypocritical. And I wasn't thinking this was going to be a good thing. But she wasn't. She wasn't pushy and she wasn't hypocritical. And in fact, she had this glow that I couldn't explain and this warmth about her and this peace about her. And uh, it was really cool. So 
I knew her. I knew her life. I knew it wasn't easy. I knew she struggled, and I knew she had pain. But you wouldn't know it from seeing her. I'm like, there's something there. And it was super intriguing. And uh, I knew she belonged to a, a church called Shiloh that met down in the mill yard. And uh, I was just waiting for her to be that pushy Christian and try to drag me to church with her. And she didn't. And talking to her later, she felt the Holy Spirit told her not to do that. And it was probably a good thing because had she invited me or tried to drag me to church, that probably would have been the end of it because she would have been, in my eyes, the pushy Christian. So God was working on me without me knowing it. And I reached out to Chris and I said, hey, that church you go to, Shiloh, right? Yeah, could I go maybe just to check it out? And she was like, of course, I would love for you to come. Me and the boys are going Sunday morning. Please join us. So I did. And that was in March of 2004. And Pastor Don Littlefield gave the message, and it was amazing. He explained salvation in a way that made sense to me. And I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior on that day. And I have not looked back. I have not regretted it. It was on that day that I learned about relationship versus religion. So for me, I needed to get past my limited understanding of things and trust that God is who the Bible says he is. And I took that step in faith, and I later watched an amazing video called How Great Is Our God by Louis Giglio. This is is something we actually played in church probably 12 years ago on a Sunday as a message. It's about 40 minutes long. We're not going to play it today, but I encourage you to go look for it. It's free. It's on YouTube. It's fantastic. Um, Like I said, I still like science. I believe that when God created the universe... He did so in order, in a way that made sense. Our God is not a God of chaos or random. And the rules that he used when he did this is what we call science. All right, that's what I call science, at least. And I think we're curious, and we want to know more about the universe and and, and the the God that created it. And this video is fantastic. It so explains things and leads to Jesus in just a beautiful, beautiful way. If you have not seen this video, I'm going to give one quick spoiler, and that is that Pastor Giglio uses a golf ball to, as an analogy throughout the um, message to compare, to help you get an idea of the scale of things in the size of our universe, and it's, it's really, really cool. So what's the point? Where am I going with all of this, right? God is much bigger than the greatest minds in history combined can even begin to comprehend and he's good, and he's in control. And now I'd like to share some scriptures that have helped me and continue to help me with this understanding. I love this. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. This isn't God bragging about how smart he is. He's trying to give us, in the people at that time, Um, kind of a scale to understand where he is and where his thoughts and actions are versus ours. As the heavens are higher than the earth, I think God is trying to explain the difference between our puny little brains is so great and so vast, and the people at this time didn't even really understand uh, the magnitude of the universe, right? And I think we could argue that today we still barely understand the magnitude of the universe. But God's big, And his thoughts and actions are so beyond ours. Psalms 34, 37, 4 and 5. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. 
Commit your way to him. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. What this says to me is when our prayer life is in alignment with God's heart, we'll see amazing things. And in order for our heart, at least mine, to be in alignment with God's, mine is the one that has to change because his heart is already perfect, and mine is not. So mine is the one that has to change. And when it changes, that's a daily thing for us as Christians. We're trying to be more like God and just try to have his heart and for him to break our heart for what breaks his, right? That's something we work on every day. And this next verse was brought to my attention by my friend Bill Gibbons. Uh, I think there are a lot of us here that can probably call Bill their friend. We're super blessed for that. And one day we were walking in, Chris and I were walking into church and we're in the parking lot. And Bill says, if you know Bill, this is exactly what he would do. Hey, Rock, do you know God's phone number? (laughs) No, Bill, I don't know God's phone number. What is it? And he said, it's 33-3. I'm like, cool, that's, that's a great number. But, but why is that God's phone number? And he said, 33-3, Jeremiah 33-3. Call to me, call to me, get it, phone number. And I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you did not know. And I love that verse. I was so glad he shared it with me. I immediately added it to my memory verses. And for me, it's... Um, It means I don't have to have all the answers. I've got this puny little brain. It can only handle so much. But when I need God, I can ask him and I can go to him and he'll uh, he'll provide me what I need. And it's important to note when Jeremiah received this, he wasn't on vacation. He wasn't at a wedding feast. He wasn't on a picnic. He was in prison. God reaches us wherever we are, whether it's in prison or a mountaintop, wherever it is, he reaches us. And just before that, we have, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? God's speaking very clearly to Jeremiah about his abilities. And he's speaking today, right now, through his word about his abilities and how powerful he is. So in a moment, we're going to get to our cornerstone verse for today. It's from the story of Jacob and Joseph. I'm going to give a quick recap But I encourage you to go to Genesis and read the story of Jacob and Joseph. Even if you've read it, read it again. So here's the quick synopsis. Jacob had a whole bunch of kids. He gave Joseph a really cool coat because Joseph was his favorite. Not a good idea as a parent to do that, but he did. Joseph could be kind of annoying and kind of braggy, and he got under the skin of his brother's to the point where they decided to kill him. Again, not a good idea. At the last minute, they changed their mind and decided to sell him into slavery instead, which is marginally better, um, but still not a great idea. They ended up taking Joseph's coat, covering it in animal's blood, and bringing it back to Jacob, to his father, saying that he had been mauled to death. And Jacob believed his son was dead. And many years go by, And a whole lot of things happen, but Jacob's loss is still very, very real to him. Now, I have a disclaimer for what I'm about to say here. What I'm about to say here is not in the Bible. Please put your stones away. Just hear me out for a second. God is, uh, I I feel like as a father, if you put yourself in Jacob's shoes, maybe his prayers were something like this during all those years. God, if I could just see my son again, if I could just see Joseph. 
if I could just spend one more day with him. At least that's what I imagine he was praying. Can anyone relate to this type of desperate prayer? Maybe you lost a sibling. Maybe you have a child that's in suffering in addiction, or maybe even a parent that's suffering in addiction. Maybe you're just waiting for God to send that special person, that one person into your life, and he hasn't done it yet. So we all have needs, right? And we all have a God that's big and good and in control, and we can turn to him with those needs. So several years ago, struggling, praying, and my wife said this. Don't tell God how big your problems are. Tell your problems how big your God is. And she had heard that somewhere, and I have never forgotten it. It's been so helpful to me, and we decided to put this as a slide, so maybe it'll be helpful to you too. Now, ultimately, going back to the Jacob and Joseph story, Joseph was not really dead. He was alive. He was doing amazing things. And it leads us to this verse. Jacob ends up finding out that Joseph is still alive and in charge. Then Jacob said to Joseph, I never thought I would see your face again. But now God. But now God has let me see your children too. When I first read it, it just jumped out at me, the but now God. And that is the title of today's message, But Now God. It took me a while to get to the title, but we're more than halfway, so bear with me. So how do we pray? How do I pray? I want to give two examples in my prayer life where I did not acknowledge God for who he is and how powerful he is. And the first one, my prayer went something like this. We'll call this prayer number one. God, if you could just put me in the right situation, I don't feel like I belong here. And prayer number two. God, if you could just comfort my friends, if you could just give them peace. Did you guys catch the word I'm trying to remove from my prayer life? It's just. Why would I ever just God? The way I see it, when I use just in my prayer life, I'm limiting what God can do, not what he can do, but what, what I think he's able to do in response. I literally stop myself when I'm praying. God, could you just, no, not just. And then I keep going something I've been doing for a couple of years now, and I still need to do it. I don't, the reason for this is I don't want to put God in a box, right? And that's a really common saying, and I I actually don't like using it, but I wasn't sure what else to say, so I want to explain what I mean when I say I don't want to put God in a box. What it means to me is I don't want to limit how God can respond in any situation, not by my standards. What it also means is I do want God to color way outside the lines of my prayer life and show me great and mighty things which I did not know. So in light of these scriptures that we read, let's take a look at the prayers and how God chose to answer them. The first one, God, could you just put me in the right place? I don't feel like I belong here. This happened uh, several years ago. Chris and I were, were teaching karate at New Life Home in Manchester. New Life is a wonderful recovery program here in Manchester, a Christian recovery program that's doing amazing work. And Chris and I would, were blessed to go there for a season one night a week, and we would teach karate to the ladies. And it was really cool. However, 
I started hearing little whisperings in my ear and things like, why are you doing this? You don't really belong here. Chris, you know, if anyone knows Chris, she's got the gift of teaching. I do not. She is much better at karate than I am. You wouldn't know it looking at this little thing, but she is. And uh, why was I here? I was showing the ladies how to properly make a fist and hopefully how to set their feet correctly, which they never got. Five years, they never got it, not one. And uh, that's why I was there, right? I felt like any knucklehead could do what I was doing. And then I had our but now God moment. And it went something like this. Chris would talk during that karate class. She would say things like, whatever, I'm going to skip those things. She said this one time. Guys, that thing we just did, we took him down. It's not, yeah, that's really cool. It looks great. However, when you're on the street and you have to defend yourself, it won't look pretty. And I said, very innocently, it'll look pretty if you're doing it. And that was just something I would say. It's my wife, and I want her to know that I love her, and I think she's beautiful. And I didn't give it another thought. But then the ladies in that class stopped. And I was like, what's going on? And they looked at each other, and they said, oh... Did you hear what he said? He said she's pretty. And I was kind of blown away. And uh, God very much opened my eyes at that moment and said, I I started remembering the background that these poor ladies came from. It was horrible. They came from abuse, homelessness, addiction, all sorts of horrible things. And most of them, the vast majority of them, did not have a Christian couple to, to look at and try to model the, their lives after and to try to, to not settle when looking in a relationship. To find a man that treats them the way God wants them treated, to treat them as a treasure, not as a target. And that's why God had me there, just opened my eyes all at once. So I had been advising God, right? And, uh, and he kind of set me straight there. And I was so happy that he did. So that's my first but now God moment. Second one, God, could you please comfort our friends? Our friends um, up in Lincoln had uh, lost their daughter during the very late stages of pregnancy. They are a wonderful Christian family. They have two daughters already. And I was praying that to God. God, could you please comfort them? Could you please give, just give them peace? And... Uh, Next, we, I couldn't even imagine how they had strength to get out of bed in the morning, right? Well, fast forward a week, and we have our next but now God moment. God showed up big, bigger than I expected. This family had a celebration of life for their daughter in their backyard with dozens of people there. And they weren't sitting there crying and suffering. You couldn't tell. They were suffering. But instead, they were praising God in worship. They were singing songs. They were reading scripture. And yes, they were questioning God at the same time. But it was beautiful, and the example that they set just blew us away. Everyone who was there will never be the same because of what we saw that day. But now, God. So don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that if you use the word just in your prayer life, God's really angry with you. Maybe when I was a kid, I would have thought that, but not as an adult. God's happy that we're praying to him. He's happy that we're turning to him with our needs, and with our problems, and with our desires. But I also think that if we can acknowledge who he is and what he's capable of, he might just swell with pride looking at his children saying, oh, they're starting to get me, they're starting to understand me a little bit better. 
So prayers 2.0, how might I change my original prayers in light of what we just talked about? Um, I'll tell you one thing, I don't want to just my star-breathing God anymore. So I'm going to read these. This is how I think I would pray when I'm in this situation again, and I will be for sure. First prayer. You are awesome, and I know you have a purpose for me in this situation, even if I can't see it. Help me to walk through it to the best of my ability and to glorify you with my efforts and attitude. I can't wait to see what you're doing here. And the second prayer, trying to, for, trying to comfort our friends. It might go something like this. God, I have no idea how this could possibly be something you would allow in, my, in our friends' lives. But I know that you're big and you're good and you're in control and that somehow you'll be glorified through this. Please be with our friends every second of the day and let them feel this closeness. They need more of you now than ever before. And I thank you in advance for the people who will be encouraged and blessed through the example set by our friends. In closing, I want to say I believe our prayer life reveals what we think of God. Do we come to him thinking that he can meet our needs? Or do we come to him thinking that he's capable of so much more? Do we think he's big? Or do we think he's star-breathing big? Do we think he cares for us? Or do we think he loves us more than we can even imagine? I think it's easy to be hesitant or timid in our everyday life. I think that's where the word just comes from maybe in our prayers. Even when we're dealing with each other, think about this. If you had to talk to your boss one day and ask for a day off at the last minute, and it's the end of the month, and it's super busy, and you know that your boss is not going to be happy, I would be hesitant or timid in that time. Or if, or if you had to ask someone to help you move this coming weekend, that would drive me crazy. I'd rather do just about anything than ask someone for help, especially for something like that. I wouldn't be comfortable doing that at all. I would be hesitant. I would be timid. Now think about that. This is how we're dealing with each other, right? So whether you're talking to your pastor, your daughter, your waitress, your boss, it doesn't matter. We're all equals here, and we're hesitant or timid talking to each other. It makes logical sense that would be so much more so hesitant or timid when approaching God. At least it makes sense to me. But that is not what God says. God says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He doesn't say come timidly, come boldly. He wants us to be courageous. I have one more scripture, and if you guys are up for it, I'd love to ask you to read it aloud with me. It's 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. I will start, and if you can please join in, please do. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. After reading this, are we still putting limits on our God? No. Sometimes I still do, but I don't want to. And it's possible that God God has me here today, right now, just to say these words out loud in front of you guys so it will benefit me and my relationship with God. But I hope that's not the only reason why I'm up here. I hope that this is stirring in some of you that you would like to try to um, maybe elevate your prayer life a little bit and acknowledge God for who he is and what he's capable of. I don't want to put limits on God anymore. 
So just a challenge. I'm still working on removing the word just from my prayer life <laughs> and taking my, life to, my prayer life to the next level. And you're welcome to join me. If you're like me, you'll be amazed at how that sneaky little word just worms its way into your prayers. And when it does, I like to stop and start over. Or my bonus word is I'm starting to do, I'm starting to replace the word totally for the word just. So I will come up and get to the word part where I say just. I'm like, no, don't just give them peace. Totally give them peace. Don't just use me. Totally use me. That's where I am right now, and I, and I hope that you guys are, capable, are, are, are interested in trying to acknowledge what God is capable of as well. So I thank you all for your time, um, in person and online. If you have questions or would like to just ask for prayer, please come up. I'll be up here for a little bit. The pastors and elders will be up here as well. And this is just a reminder about the chairs. Heavenly Father, you are awesome. Thank you so much for this time today, Lord. I ask that wherever I messed up with my words, that your Holy Spirit would fill in the gap. And wherever there's a heart stirring, that people would boldly turn to you, not timidly, boldly. Let us have more boldness and let us be more courageous in our relationship with you, Lord. We want to know more of you, and part of that is acknowledging who you are and how big you are. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen.